but for those who weren't here yesterday, um, just a couple of uh, thoughts. We are delighted to have this three-day class. We're delighted that we have so many Let's Start Talking and French Speak alumni here at lectures. So, while everyone's coming in, you're going to get yesterday's lesson in two minutes. Yesterday was, I'm not interested in faith, but I like what your church is doing. So here we go. I'm not interested in faith, but I love what your church has to offer. Um, Let's Start Talking started 40 years ago. We've been at it 40 years. Almost 10,000 people, mostly from America, have gone overseas somewhere. And we worked with almost 100,000 people. And, and this one is the one that boggles me because I know all the work behind every project. 2,300 projects all around the world and 320 different cities and sites. You can see in the first generation we sent mostly college students. And we told a great story yesterday. There you go. <laughs> but the one I love is I know I knew him when he was a student at your college and started sending people. But what I really loved was I got to have dinner with Joel and his two apprentices who became Christians through LST are now leaders at Ibaraki Christian College. Those are the stories that we hang on to and that we love. In the second generation, which has been the last 20 years, LST moved down to the Fort Worth area and we initially kind of connected with the Hills Church of Christ and then we became a 501c3 and you can begin to see that we have loved sending not just college students but all kinds of people over these last few years. And I better go back to this one. And, and really, truly, out of the Let's Start Talking international experience, grew what we call French speak. Same thing in America, we wanted to give it a different name, a little branding difference. And so now we have churches all over America that are reaching out across the neighborhood and across the street, along with reaching out across the world. That's another great story. Don't get married <laughs> to all your readers. That's a joke if you're here last week, but, uh, yesterday, I should say. Um, here are the places that we've been for the numbers of years on the international side. If the list goes on and on. We had uh, a weekend with these two fellas. They've given their lives to reaching Muslims. That's what they want to do, and we're calling this internship pathways. We were with them that was just last weekend. No wonder we're tired. But just five days ago, these guys uh, were telling their stories about Pavin, who just got baptized, and Mahambuba, I think it is, who... Um, is discipling his family to Christ, the kind of things they're getting to do. Well, there you go. There's some statistical geek things. I guess we'll hang on to these two things. Uh, this, Van, I love this number. You're getting ready to take off here in just a minute. Uh, th these are the folks that we had an opportunity to train in America this year, and those are the ones we sent overseas. So we are a training group, and we love it. Those are the international kinds of places inside. Three pictures, four pictures. Yeah. If you weren't here, yeah, that's my son and his girlfriend and we went last year and it's just a gratuitous picture. I just wanted to show it to say how proud we are of taking families, taking kids and grandkids, all that kind of stuff. That's America, by the way. That's West Springfield, Massachusetts. And, and that's America. So that's where we are. That's where we are. And this is the picture I'm just going to leave up here for a second or two. The North Davis Church of Christ. Those of you who weren't here yesterday, this is the, the, the service going on at North Davis and their baptisms going on and they have an upper ring where they do French speak classes at this church and so after the French speak classes were out these are all the French speak readers that were standing and watching this 
And those are the kind of things that we talk about. And we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about raising the evangelistic temperature of your church by getting people in the pews, if I may just use a, an acronym, out and about. Getting them in, studying, and sharing their faith. And so that was what we kind of talked about yesterday. And so we labeled it the what. What LST and Friends Speak are about and what we do. Today is the how. Tomorrow is why. So I want to tell you, get your seatbelts on. I want to introduce both Craig Altrock, he'll be up here in a minute, and Ben Woodward, the National Director of Friends Speak. We're doing heavy stuff today. Ben, God bless you, man. All right. Look at that, two minutes. I don't, I don't even need that. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't two minutes. <laughs> yeah, so fantastic. I'm super glad that you're here. 3.15 on Thursday afternoon. Anybody think about not coming today? <laughs> right. So we do have a lot to cover. We are going to go through the first part of a training seminar. All right. So put on your creative hats, and we're going to imagine that we are a church, this room. Okay, we're a church. We don't have a name, but we're, we're a congregation, whether about 25 of us or 30. And we're starting a friend speak ministry. So what we're going to be doing is promoting, in fact, our elders and our staff have already been doing that in our community. They've been putting up some flyers and our marquee, our banner, our sign in front of our church building says, right now, right outside, it says free English conversation classes. And there's a telephone number. And when somebody calls that telephone number, um, it goes to a cell phone, which is the Friend Speak cell phone. And Craig always has that cell phone on it, so when it rings, he answers it, and he's ready to talk to somebody that's interested in practicing and improving their English. Okay? That's really all that they know about. When they call and they talk to Craig, Craig tells them that Friends Speak is a program that our church is doing. It's been used all over the world for the past 40 years, right? And it's a proven method to help people practice and improve their English. We use our workbooks, our curriculum is based on the book of Luke from the Bible. Okay, so this is what, this is what we're telling our international neighbors. And then here's the exciting thing. We've got 45 international people who have called in the last four weeks to sign up, to read one-on-one, -on -one, to practice their English one-on-one -on -one with you guys. Okay, so they're excited about it. Our church leadership is real excited about it, right? When was the last time we had 45 non-church people that came knocking on our door and said, can we read the Bible with one of your Christians? <laughs> but that's what's happening. The only people that aren't just super excited about it right now, to you, because you haven't been trained yet, and you're thinking, well, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. Now, typically, a friend speak training seminar lasts about three to three and a half hours. There's a lot of role playing, there's some videos, we practice, we do a whole lot of training so that by the time it's over, you feel good about it. You feel confident, you've done it, you've practiced it, and you're ready to start tomorrow or the next day with your reader. But we don't have that much time today. So what Craig and I are going to do is we're going to take you through about the first maybe 35 or 40 minutes of the training, and we're gonna hit on the key um, the core philosophy, the core components of what makes friends speak, friends speak. Because what you're going to find is this is not like a traditional Bible study. It's actually very different. 
Um, and it's different on purpose. So we want to share a little bit of that with you. So I'm going to do part of this, and I'm going to hand it over to Craig. He's going to do part, and then I'll come back, and we'll finish. But we want to leave enough time also afterwards for you to bombard us with questions. And so by the time you leave, you should have a real good sense about what this is, how it works, and how we might be able to get started at your congregation. Okay? So church, are we ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Um, everybody should have two pieces of material in front of them. One looks like this. It's our Luke workbook. Okay? This is what you use with your reader. And then your reader is also going to have one. Okay? So you can just put this aside. You don't need this right now. Um, you're going to need that in a little bit. The second thing you need is a paper packet. Um, it's a training guide. It should say part one, free speak, origin, and philosophy. Does everybody have one of these? No. Okay, we're missing a couple. Do we have any extra or are we, are we out? There's an extra here. Okay, what about something to write with? We've got lots of pins. Does anybody need something to write with? Okay. Started. So what I want you to do is just follow along. This is an outline, and I'm going to be um, talking and presenting some material and giving you some answers, and, and you just sort of write them down as we as we go along. And as you have questions, we'll stop and we'll talk about them. Okay. So let's start um, at the very beginning with the challenge. What's our challenge? What's the need? What's this all about? So here's the question that I'm posing to you. What do our international friends and neighbors want from Friendspeak? What is their motivation to participate? Why did they call Craig? English. Yeah, easy answer, right? First, write down the word English. And maybe circle it. Because here's the thing. There is a global, worldwide demand right now for the English language. And it doesn't matter where on the globe you are. It's true. Right? You can be over there, you can be over there, you can be wherever. And, and people want to practice and improve their English for a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to list them all like I would in a normal training seminar, but I think you understand for, for work, for um, social situations, getting involved in the community, helping your children with, helping their children with their homework. There's all kinds of reasons why people want to practice and improve their English. So they're motivated to practice and improve their English. That's the easy answer. There's a second reason, though, why people are calling. And it's not English. They still want to do this. It's free. It is free, yeah? Relationships. Relationships. Social. Okay, good. Write down relationships. You can write down friendship. There are, we don't know for sure how many churches are doing Friendspeak right now around the country. Um, we lost count somewhere around 400, 450. We know we keep training <coughs> lots and lots of churches, but, um, you know, sometimes churches stop doing it also. So, so we don't know for sure. But at a lot of these churches, people show up, our international neighbors show up to their first reading session, and their English is pretty good. Surprisingly good. And... And you're thinking, 
I wonder why they're here. Their their English is is pretty good. Um, relationship, friendship. How many of you have ever lived in a foreign country? How many of you have ever been in a foreign country for longer than two or three weeks? Okay. At first, when you go for a little while, it's pretty exciting and adventurous and romantic, right? And everything's good. And then you hit that point where you wake up one morning and, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of lonely here. It's hard to talk to people. Um, nobody's talking to me like they used to. And even if I wanted to, I, I can't really do it. And when we look around and we see our international neighbors, that's what's happening a lot of the time. Um, so they're looking for that also. So those two things are important. Those are motivating factors why people are lined up to come meet with you to practice and improve their English. So that's them. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about you. All right. What do you want from Friendspeak? Is it the same thing? Have you wanted to... To be an English teacher all your life? No. No. So it's something else. What's your motivation for doing this? I want them to hear the word. Okay. Yeah. So we say in Friendspeak, and I think you would all agree, right? Um, this is our mission statement with Friendspeak. We want to share Jesus and share ourselves. That's what we want to do. Share Jesus and share ourselves. And then, now here's the tricky part. Usually when one group of people want something and another group of people want something else and they come together, it doesn't go real well, does it? Um, we know that from a couple thousand years of history. It's difficult. It's difficult to go in and, and grab people and tell them what they need to know and make them appreciative. And It just doesn't work that way. But with Friendspeak, we have this great big advantage. And that's what I want you to, to write down here at the bottom of the page, the Friendspeak advantage. We have two things, English and faith, giving others what they want as well as what they need. So they're coming for English. We know that. We have faith, right? And what happens is you sit down and you start reading with somebody out of the Gospel of Luke. And they read, and they don't understand a word, so they ask you, what does this word mean? And then they, they get to the next sentence, and they don't understand what this whole sentence means. So you talk about that for a little while. You're talking about some grammar and some words. And then you read a little bit more, and then they ask you, well, why did God choose Mary to have this baby? What kind of question is that? <laughs> is that an English question? Yeah. Now we're getting into something a little more important, right? We've, we just switched over from English, I want to practice and improve my English, to what's this about? What is this that we're reading? Now, I don't know about you, but how many times have you been asked that lately about the Bible with somebody? It doesn't happen very often. It happens all the time with French speakers. Okay? And it happens very naturally. That's probably the best thing about this strategy is that um, we're not having to ask trick questions or, or lead them down a path. We just get to sit back 
read it, and they begin to get curious, and they begin to ask us questions about what they're reading. And it's a great environment for sharing our faith. Um, the biblical basis for, for all of this comes from this kind of magical verse in John. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. John 20, verse 30 and 31. I'm just going to paraphrase. Um, but this is where the author says, Jesus did many other things that are not recorded in this book, but these things were written that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you can have life in his name. Okay. How are you going to believe? What was written? These things were written so that everything, right? Everything can happen. Salvation. And so we take that verse extremely seriously. We believe it. We believe it wholeheartedly. We believe that what's written in the Gospels is powerful enough to change people's lives. And here's the catch. Without a whole lot of explaining and convincing and arguing and apologetics that we can bring to the table, which can all be good in certain circumstances, but we believe that the work can do all of those things on its own. That sometimes if we can just step back and get out of the way then we get to watch uh, a miracle. So um, this is another one to circle. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And someday soon you're going to have a friend speak reader. And when you are, I want you to keep coming back to this because the power is in the word. All right? So remember that for the rest of this training. And from now on, the power is in the word. Greg, you want to take it from here? Sure. By the way, Church, uh, Sister MacArthur just texted me and said that the uh, potluck after this training ses session is still a go, and there's plenty of green bean casserole, and even that, that green jello. So, oh, uh, she puts raisins yum. in it, so I don't know. I asked her not to put raisins in it, but I think that's what she's doing. Well, yeah, so, I mean, as, as long as there's been English speakers who had faith and and non-native English speakers, people have used English as a means of, of outreach. I mean, it's a, it's a normal thing. It's a need, and, and if, so I speak English, so it's a way I could help. But what Ben's helping us see here is that the way we're trying to do it through Friends Speak, Let's Start Talking, is in a way that we're not making that shift from, oh, well, okay, let's talk about nouns and verbs, but how could I get to that question? How could I ever get my reader to ask that question? When is that going to happen? How could I, how could I do that? That's always the, the challenge, really, with, with using English or something like this, is how do you move from just English to something more than English? And I hope what you see as we, as we keep going through the training is that that can happen very naturally. And that's, that's the, the design, that's the intent, is that it would happen very naturally. All right, so let's look at your workbooks for a second, your curriculum, your material, just so you're familiar with those. Uh, used these before, seen them before? Some? For some, the first time? Okay, open it up. There's nothing scary in there. This is what we would do with our readers. We would 
we'd open it up to them. We'd have them leaf through it and make sure that they see there's nothing in here that seems weird or scary. There's normal pictures in there, normal kinds of questions about what, like a vocabulary word. Uh, the text isn't too intimidating. Um, but I want to talk to you about the materials uh, so you understand where they're coming from. So they are intentionally simple, and I think that's important for you to understand, and it, it will help you when you use them. They, they are intentionally simple. Simple. They're not simple. <laughs> they're intentionally simple. Uh, so, you know, there can be a tendency or a temptation when a Christian sits down with a, with a non-Christian in the context of faith sharing, uh, growth, development, and then you have scripture involved. There can be at least a temptation to turn that into something else than what we're talking about, a Bible study, something that's more scripted, something that has three points, something that has, has well, this is the scripture to use in this situation, and these are the three things from this scripture to make sure you tell your, your reader. Obviously, I think it should be clear to you that that's not in this workbook. It's very simple. You've got some scripture, and then you've got some simple prompts uh, that are towards language learning and language improvement. And I just want to make sure you notice that the materials reflect the intention and the goal, which is not Bible study. The goal is to have meaningful conversation. And we'll dig into all of that. But it's important for you to to know where the workbooks are coming from. So you've got an easy to read translation there. This is a third or fourth grade reading level. And, and just, it's not the whole book of Luke, it's just parts of the book of Luke there and then those simple prompts there. And even the name workbook might be a little misleading because it's, there's not lots of fill in the blank things and it's not, it's not scripted. It may be easier to think about it as a conversation guide, okay? So that's where they're coming from. And they reflect the philosophy and the core principles that, that Ben and I will talk about in the rest of our time together here. So you've got the Luke <coughs> workbook. There's about 31 lessons in this workbook. As I said, it does not contain the whole book of Luke, but selected parts of the Gospel of Luke. If a reader calls and says, I want to participate. <coughs> Actually, I am part of a Catholic church. I attend church every week. The, what we would say is wonderful. We're so glad you signed up. We're going to start in this workbook that we call Luke. If a reader calls and says, I want to sign up, I'm not so sure about the church thing. Is it really Bible? Do I have to use the Bible? I don't really believe the Bible. Uh, we would say, we're so glad you called. We're going to start in a workbook that we call Luke. So this is where we start with every reader. It, and we do it intentionally. It's It's... Uh, practically speaking, it works. It's and maybe theologically, it's a fantastic place to start. We think it's the it's the best place to start with people. Introduce them to Jesus, and Luke is a great gospel for all kinds of people. You know, he's got great stories and parables. There's not lot, a lot of references to things in the Old Testament that somebody not familiar with the Bible might struggle with a little bit. It's just kind of very earthy, real gospel, and that's where we start. And your workbook has 31 lessons in it. So, church, when we get our reader, we're probably going to be camped out in this workbook for almost a year. You're going to work with your reader. Um, you might meet with them once a week. And in that meeting, you'll probably cover one lesson. And so, 
We're, we'll probably follow a school calendar generally, one, the fall semester and spring semester and summer people's schedules are up and down. So um, it may take most of a year to work through this workbook. Because remember again, the goal is, this is not a curriculum for, we've got to make sure we've covered every single lesson and all these single points. What we're trying to do is have what? Meaningful yeah, meaningful conversations. Meaningful conversations. So this is a tool, it's a guide to create those meaningful conversations. The goal is not to finish the workbook as quickly as possible. The goal is to have meaningful conversations uh, as often as possible. And so this is a great tool to help us do that. So we start in loop. Well, what are we going to do after that? Uh, probably ACTS. So ACTS is a great follow-up to this, uh, this workbook. Um, same author, continuation of the same story. Um, so our current Axe workbook has about 13 lessons in it. We're, we're going to finish that out uh, within the year probably so that there's an Axe 1 and 2. So there's plenty of lessons there. So you can see that within a year or two, you can see the kind of conversations that you'll be having. You won't have to make decisions about what to do next. It sh it'll be very easy for you to know that for the next couple of years. And then, yeah, there are other workbooks too. And uh, it may depend where your reader is if they if if you and your reader stick together uh, that long if they if they can stay here or maybe they're moving on but we've got other workbooks and some of them will be a little more oriented for people that might be interested in spiritual things some of them might be more oriented for people who are still really just interested in English and need to keep having these kinds of conversations so uh, we, we and your friend speak leaders will help you know that uh, it won't be very hard for you to make decisions about that either. Okay, so that, those are the materials. And if you're interested, you can go on the website, friendspeed.org, and, and look at the materials there. There's samples of them there, uh, all of our current workbooks. And you can order them if you'd like. Uh, that's the place to order them. Usually if people order the materials and then take them on a mission trip overseas, we tend to get engaged with them in a different way, uh, helping them with some training and other things, so that we, we often then are providing the materials for them those teams that go. But anyway, that's where you can go if you're interested in seeing more about the materials. Okay, let's talk about the philosophy here, okay? Um, so you've got a couple blanks here under philosophy and core principles. It, the Friendspeak philosophy is not simply a way of practicing evangelism. You see that, that yes. blank? It's not simply a way of practicing evangelism, but it's a new way of thinking about what we're doing and what God is doing when we sit down with another person and share our faith. It's always very tempting in a, in a training situation just, just to move on to the practical. Okay, well just, so how, how, what's a session look like? And how am I going to do it? And what do I do first? And what happens next? But all the mechanics, and there's not very many, are driven by some core philosophy and some core principles. So people that have the best conversations with their readers are people who have owned the philosophy and the core principles. They believe in it and it really resonates with them. People that tend to struggle with their reading sessions are people that either they really weren't introduced to the core principles because this happens. Somebody knows how to use these materials and then they teach their friend, but they just teach their friend about the mechanics. So sometimes people don't even know about it. But often people that don't know about them or they haven't really bought into them struggle. 
in their conversation sessions because then they're sort of left up to just doing what they already know, which again, often looks like or feels like more of a Bible study situation. Okay, so let me just briefly walk you through some of the core philosophy. The Word is the teacher and we are the illustration. I think you would agree, maybe just from your own experience, the number one reason people tend not to share their faith, tend not to engage people from other cultures, uh, tend not to try to reach out and develop relationships with people that are different than they are, certainly religiously, is fear. We're just afraid. And we're afraid of things like, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? What if I don't know enough Bible to, to do this yet? What if they read a passage that I'm familiar with, but they see something different there that I've never seen before? What, what do I do then? And so then we are only going to share, I'm only going to do this if I'm extraordinarily prepared to do it. You know, I've got all this knowledge and all this information, and now, now I'm going to do it. Okay, so we say at the very beginning, fine. Then let's take the let's take the word teacher off of our sweatshirt, take it off of your name tag, and we're not going to wear that label. We're not going to be the teacher. We're going to let the word be the teacher. I love this little um, this little parable from Jesus and Mark. Uh, he's talking about farming again and sort of how how things happen with farmers and you know farmers are such hardworking people. He says this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. And it's like Jesus is saying, even if you could produce fruit, like if, even if you could, in your effort, bring somebody to faith, even if that were possible, uh, it's probably going to happen when you're not trying. You know, It's probably going to happen when you're asleep. Or when you're just having a conversation, or you just finished coffee together, or they just came over to your house. It's probably going to happen then anyway. So our experience and our faith is that Scripture is powerful. We believe it, and we've seen it. I'll tell you briefly about one of my first readers. His name was Val. Uh, we got involved on the mission project side of things first, so we were in Kiev, Ukraine. He was a 56-year-old scientist. He read for six weeks with one LST team from David Lipscomb University, and then he read with our team. So we had 12 weeks of reading through Luke. We covered almost the whole thing, and I was sort of young and naive. And so at the end of all that, I, was, I, was, I came up to Ball and I said, okay, Ball, so what do you think about all the things that we've just read? I assumed, you know, like, oh, I'm ready to become a Christian, you know. And, he, and Ball was very honest, he said, I just can't believe these things. I, that's not how I was raised. I wasn't raised to believe these things. So, boo, you know, <laughs> I couldn't make it happen. Uh, so I left for a year. Email wasn't quite a thing yet, so we were out of touch. And we had the chance to come back a year later, and we sat down literally just like it had been yesterday. We were, you know, like we were just gone one day, and we sat down, and I said, okay, Val, so what have you been thinking about? What's... What have you been thinking about since we left? And he, he smiled and he said, I am ready to become a Christian. <laughs> and I was like, well, what in the world? What, what, 
what were you doing? He said, well, I just kept reading the Bible, and I kept, and I visited with some of the Christians here. God's time. So, mm-hmm. Scripture's powerful. Oh, Scripture's man, powerful. So the flip side of that is, is we say, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're going to be the illustration. That's, that's a role that we can fulfill. We are going to be the illustration. And so that presses into the idea of relationship. Uh, scripture's powerful, and certainly we could, and many do, send Bibles. But we like to try to pair it with a person because God does something there as well. So we like to talk about being an illustration, that uh, one of your roles is, is to be an illustration. A reading in the, in the scriptures, a reading in the story about people who think about Jesus, who follow Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's why you are the way you are. Is that right? Is that, is that why you do what you do? And here's what that looks like. And here's what I think about God and how I follow God. So all of my life then is, is a, an illustration for my reader. The relational part of that. I love this quote too. From, this is from a, a, a reader in Poland. After her experience doing this kind of thing, she says, it's so easy to learn English in this time in Poland. There's so many schools with English lessons, but what if you find suddenly the project which opens not only the human's brain, but but the heart, which allows you to communicate, but also to express deep thoughts about life, which connects souls despite the cultural differences. What is the most miraculous about LST is that together with language skills, you get to know how to understand each other without words, and you realize that the people who came here seem to be angels wonderfully staying in your city. LST is something more than just lessons. It makes us remember that the talking is something that ties people together. Thank you for this wonderful time. She says, I recommend it to everyone, no matter what you believe. Well, that's fantastic, yes. isn't it? To hear a person that came in just for English to say at the end of it, Oh man, I'm gonna tell my friends about this thing because it's not just it's not just about English. So the word is the teacher, and we are the illustration. It's part of the it's part of the fuel that's driving any of the mechanics here. Another way we like to talk about is what what Ben mentioned that we share Jesus and we share ourselves. And Ben will come back to this point about about focus, but this is a helpful um, reminder about our focus. There are a lot of things we're not going to do. In our sessions, uh, I mean, you may be an expert in apologetics, or you may feel like the Old Testament's a better place to start, or you may have certain um, topics that are really important to you in terms of the kingdom and what people who are part of a church body should do or not do. But that's not really what we're gonna, we're not going to do those things. We're just going to share Jesus, and we're going to share ourselves. I do think the word share is significant there. Um, when I first got involved with, with this kind of work, one of, the, one of the word pictures that Sherry Lee was always really good to, to, to use in, in our training is the, you know, trying to force feed a baby. It, you know, ba- babies tend to eat when they're hungry, and that, they communicate that quite well. You know when a baby's hungry, right? So it doesn't really matter uh, as the parent if I'm ready to feed the baby. 
that, you know, it doesn't really matter how much I want to feed the baby. If the baby's not ready to eat, then you just, you know, you get that big pile of applesauce and you stick it in their mouth and what is it, what happens? Yeah, it just comes right back out. So it doesn't, ma it doesn't matter. The baby will eat when the baby is ready to eat. So share, I, you know, I can't make somebody agree with what they're reading. I can't do that. But I can share it with them. So when, so when they are ready, when they are ready, then, then they can ask the question. They can ask me about my faith when they're ready. But I can share. I can do that for sure. And you can do that. You can do that too. Okay, one more. Then a friendly relationship is more productive than a student-teacher relationship. So we've, we've been touching a little bit on the relational aspect of helping people here. This gets a little bit to the structure of the relationship. Well, what kind of relationship are we going to have here? Um, so still in our culture a bit, and definitely in other cultures, the teacher-student relationship has a, a significant structure to it, right? Typically in a teacher-student relationship, um, for one, the teacher usually knows a lot of information is trying, is trying to disseminate information. So it's sort of a downward flow to the student. And the student's job is to receive the information and sort of consume it or integrate it or, or reproduce it somehow on some kind of instrument. But even personally, so the teacher could be very warm and friendly and interesting and share personally, but at some point they default back to that, that teacher Role. So there's some things that the teacher will not do with or for the student because they've got to default back to a, a certain role. And then same with the student side here. The student may lean towards the teacher relationally, maybe attracted to them just in terms of personality and sort of you know warm up that way to them. But at some point they they got to click back down here to the to their their role as as student. So some things the student will not do. With the teacher. So what we're constantly trying to do is flatten that back down to here. Friend to friend, peer to peer, learner to learner, you know, because we find that to be more productive. It's also a, a much richer experience for us all too, but we find it to be more productive because you need two things for growth to occur uh, person to person. You need trust and you need vulnerability. So trust can occur here. A student can learn to trust the teacher. A teacher can learn to trust the student. But it's, a, it's the vulnerability, I think. The ability to be open and honest and create spaces where people feel comfortable asking hard questions. Because at some point, as your reader gets to know you, they build that trust, then at some point, they're going to want to be able to express a hard thing, ask a hard question. And they won't do that if we've positioned ourselves regularly as teacher. I'm teacher, teacher, teacher. Okay, so friend. Friend to friend is more productive. So we took our nephew on his first LST mission project to Korea a couple years ago. In high school, he's a 10th grader in high school when he went. Um, so he was reading with people older than he was. He read with one young uh, woman, a student, probably in her, her early 20s. We were there three weeks. Two weeks in, she shares 
something with him that she's not shared with hardly anybody. It was so personal to her that she certainly hadn't shared it with her dad. I was reading with her dad. So now my nephew knows something about her that her dad doesn't know. Uh, but she hadn't really shared it much with her friends either. And yet here she shares it with somebody who's known her for two weeks from another country. Because Jacob was younger than she was, it was clear that it was just, it was just a friend to friend thing. Jacob was helping her as a friend. So she felt very comfortable then sharing with Jacob. And that was a step of growth for her to be able to share that with somebody. So the, these three things. And uh, how does this help you? I think you've got some blanks there. So less pressure to produce results yourself. Less pressure to produce results yourself. Again, I think I keep going back to that parable, you know. Just let go of that. Let go of that, that need to make something happen. God will make it happen, okay? Less pressure to know all the answers to all the questions. This is a beautiful thing about, about reading Scripture with somebody from a different culture and maybe even a different religious background is you will become a learner too. You will see things that you, you hadn't seen before. Uh, and what and let that happen. You don't have to know all the answers. So what if your reader asks you a question you don't know the answer to? Man, that is a great question. I don't know if I've ever thought of that. I'd like to think about that for a little bit. Is that okay? And I'll, we can talk about it next time. I'll think about it. That's okay. And then last, people discover Jesus through God's revelation itself. Which is really a good thing. I was, was reminded in another class today about, uh, she used the word cultureless. We were talking about movies, that movies aren't made in vacuums, and it's not like the producers craft stories free of cultural bias, and sort of reminded me that my understanding of scripture is colored by my culture. Some of it I know and I recognize, some of it I don't, I don't quite recognize. So wouldn't it be really cool if, if our readers were discovering some things just sort of as God was revealing that to them and not just through my own lens of this is what I think about Jesus, this is what I think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if they could just sort of capture some of that with God's help on their own? So, okay, those make sense to you? These are philosophical core ideas underneath any of the mechanics of what we're doing. So if I'm helping my reader out, if I'm using some questions and helping them along, I'm always remembering these kind of things in the background. Okay, and then some core principles. Ben? So one of my favorite parts in the training is, is what Craig just talked about when he says you don't have to know all the answers yes. to all the questions. It's um, I mean, we feel like it's so important to be right when you're talking about God, isn't it? It's so important to, to tell the truth and to and to be right. You don't want to talk about God and not be right. But what do we call people who always know the answer? Know it all. We call them know it alls, right? And if um. Do you know any? You know anyone that's a know-it-all? Don't don't point to the person. <laughs> and if you don't, it's probably you. <laughs> when um when you're around them and you're talking to them, 
Is that a fun conversation? No. Do you walk away from that feeling energized and good about, you know, what just took place? Don't. Because what's the fastest way to kill a conversation? You know what it is? It's always having the right answer. Okay? So, um, with French speak, if our goal is to engage in good, meaningful conversations, it's not that we don't know the answer, it's that we do know the answer, but we're not going to tell it. We're not going to give it. Right? Because when someone asks you, what is an angel? Well, every one of you can tell them what an angel is. But what if, instead of answering their question, what if first you said, well, what do you think an angel is, Rigo? And then you just kind of bit your tongue and sat on your hands for a little while and listened. And then, no matter what he said, because he's from Mozambique, you know what he learned about angels in Mozambique? I don't either. Okay? But, but you, get to, you get to learn that. And, and then, no matter what he say, says, you get to point back at what you just read, and you, say, you can say, from what we just read here, what can we know about an angel? And that circles us right back to the word is the teacher. Okay? So maybe more than anything else, I think with friend speak, if I can leave you with something, it's this. It's um, you know the answers, but you don't always have to give the answers. Let's talk about the core principles. There's five of them here that we're going to end with. Um, and then we're going to leave about seven or eight minutes just for questions and, and conversation between us. Since the word is the teacher, what are the most important principles for us to focus on? All right. So here's, here's one, and it's super important, agreement. Here's what I want you to write down. You do not have to have agreement in order to continue. You do not have to have agreement in order to continue. You don't have to have agreement to keep going. Okay? And this is something that just trips up Christians left and right in our Bible studies. Because we feel like we start talking to somebody about something and they think something that's just off the wall, doesn't agree with us, and we think, okay, we gotta dig in our heels and we have to we have to talk this through. We gotta get on the same page before we can move forward. You can't do that with friend speak. Um, if you dig in your heels, if you start having one of those conversations, then your reader starts looking at you like, I thought this was about English. Why are you trying to convince me that this thing we're reading is all real? Okay? So you can't do that. And I'll tell you how this is going to affect you next week with your first reader. Okay, open up your Luke workbook to Lesson 2. Lesson 2, it's on page 3. This is um, Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. This is what you're going to read to your reader, then they're going to read it back to you. And this is what you're going to read about. So there's a God, and the God sends an angel from somewhere down to earth. And when the angel gets to earth, he visits this young woman, this girl, and tells her that she's going to have a baby. But not an ordinary baby. This baby is going to be the son of this God. 
And this baby is also going to be a king who's going to rule over the earth forever. The, the baby should be named Jesus. And Mary says, uh, I, this can't happen. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, no, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. Because God has a spirit. And the spirit also is going to help you conceive a child. And the child is going to be born. And then Mary, one of the most unbelievable things in the Bible, says, okay, <coughs> I believe. Let this happen to me. I'm the servant girl of the Lord. And then, just for good measure, at the end, the angel also tells Mary, oh yes, and your relative and her extreme old age is also pregnant and going to have a baby. Okay, so this is what you read with your reader from where? Pick a place. Indonesia. Bosnia. Bosnia. Okay? <coughs> they've never read the Bible before. They've never met a Christian before. They've never been to church before. What do they think about what they just read? Preposterous. What is it? What did they just read? Fairy tale. Fairy tale. Okay, we hear that. Fairy tale. We hear, um, is this mythology? Is this Greek mythology? Is this a fable? Um, we've heard, is this Jesus? Where does he live now? Right? Um, so our readers don't believe any of this. And which sounds all fine and good until you ask your reader after you've read it a couple times and talked about it, well, what do you think about this story? And they just shake their head and they say, this is a, a children's story, right? Or maybe they say, oh, I, I could ne this is the Christian story. I could never believe this is true. You ever had somebody say that to you? I could never believe this is true. Oh, yeah. So how are you going to respond in that instance? Because if you're not prepared for it, I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to start to feel warm in the room. You're going to feel your heart start beating a little bit faster. And you're going to sit up a little straighter, a little taller. And you're going to roll up your sleeves. And you're going to put on your Defender of the Faith badge. And it's time to go to work. Okay? Because this person just told you that they don't believe in the most important thing that's ever happened and this is that moment that God has put you here to always be prepared with your answer, and you're about to just <laughs> let go. So you do. Maybe you're even kind of subdued about it, but you do. And two, three, four minutes pass, and you're talking, and you feel like God is giving you the words. There's light shining down on you. <laughs> but you know what? 20 seconds into your three-minute sermon, your reader decided they're not ever coming back. Because they're not here to be converted to anything. They're here to practice and improve their English. And you jump the gun. They don't know what happens on the next page. So of course they're not going to believe all of this. And so you know what we do? You know what we want you to do when your reader looks you in the eyes and says, I could never believe this is true? We want you to give them your best smile and say, yeah, I could see how this would be hard to believe but let's keep going. That's all you have to do. You just keep going. And you turn the page, and you turn the page, and you turn the page. And you just keep going. Okay, so remember that. That's, that's number one here under our core principles, but it's a big one. You don't have to have agreement in order to continue. Here's number two, retention. Do whatever it takes to keep them coming back. Do whatever it takes to keep them coming back. 
Why? It's kind of obvious, isn't it? Here, here's something else that's wonderful about Friendspeak. Friendspeak attracts people into your church building that have never had any interest in coming to your church building. They've passed your building a thousand times before, and never <clears throat> once have they thought, I should go in there and see what they're doing. I'm interested. Never. They see a sign that says, practice your English, and now, now they'll come knock. So they're here. They're in your building. They're reading the Gospel of Luke with one of you. You want to do whatever it takes to keep them coming back. Okay? So there are a lot of little things that we can do, and I'll tell you more about that when I come back and train your whole church for real. But just remember, do whatever it takes to keep them coming back. It's important that we're, we're going after that lost sheep. Number three, focus. Again, Craig touched on this. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. There are a lot of things that your reader is going to want to talk to you about. And it's not always what's in the workbook. They're interested, just like we are, in what's going on in the world. So they're going to want to talk about what? President Trump. President Trump politics. Yeah, they're going to want to talk politics. Sports. They're going to talk sports. Pop culture. Game of Thrones. Um, you name it, if it's going on in the world, they're going to want to talk to you about it. Should you talk to them about it? Sure. Okay, briefly, and then get back on task, because the word is the teacher, right? Yes. And so that's what we want to be engaged in. Um, so um, to have those conversa conversations, but keep coming back to why we're here and what we're doing, where the power is. The word is the teacher, where the illustration Number four, simplicity. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. The only way that you can mess this up is by trying to do too much. Okay? You, can't be, you can't be too simple. It's all here. If you can read it out loud to them, and if you can ask them to read it back to you, and if you can... Ask some questions like, what do you think about what you just read? Do you think this has any implications for today? What do you think about Jesus? If you were one of Jesus' followers and you heard this, what would you think? If you just ask some basic questions, you can't, you can't go wrong. So keep it simple. And then number five, relationship. Develop the relationship. Develop the relationship inside and outside of your reading session, right? Develop that relationship inside and outside of your reading session. What you can't even imagine right now is how quickly you become friends with your reader. It happens in two or three times, okay? By the time you've read with them five, six, seven times, guess what? They've invited you somewhere, maybe to their home, Maybe to dinner. Maybe to see a movie. You've invited them somewhere. It happens so fast and you get so close. That's the part that's hard to envision right now, but it just supplements everything that's going on here. Because most of the time, friendship comes before faith. Most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Okay? So we're going to work on that, 
that relationship, that friendship. And there's a, there's a lot of things that we can do. There are a lot of ways that we can help our readers just in their day-to-day lives. Um, and we, we can talk about that more at our, at our real training seminar. So this is, this was the first 45 minutes of our training. Okay, there's a lot more. But I wanted to give you a taste of what this is. Well, listen, thank you for coming. Um, we'll come to an end. Let me say a prayer to close us out. Then we're going to stick around. And so if you want to ask some more questions, we'll be here. Okay, let's pray. Father, you are holy. You are good. You are almighty. And we have no, we have no doubt that you care not just about us, you care about this world. And you care so much and so deeply that you've done things that we wouldn't even imagine doing. So Lord, we lay all of this work at your feet. And we, we just simply say, um, take us, use us, um, accept us as we are, and, and use us to reach your people, Father. Thank you for your church. Um, strengthen us. Give us more faith. Help us be more bold. And bless your work, Father. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.